Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You always want to deal with the best of the business, and that is Sunbury Motors. Great staff, great products. Great service department. Our play-by-play call of the day. Wisconsin drops back to punt, and Anthony Lottie makes a big mistake. Here is Anthony Lottie, an average of 40 yards per punt to punt it away. And he dropped it. Ball on the ground, Oregon. Brady Breeze has got it. Brady Breeze is going to score. Brady Breeze scored three touchdowns this year for Oregon. He scored one on a pick six. One on a scoop and score, that play, uh, and, or excuse me, it was a fumble recovery, and then that play, the scoop and score. Three touchdowns scored by, uh, by, uh, Brady Breeze this year. It's like year. the triple crown of, uh, of defensive touchdowns. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that call was, uh, courtesy of the Oregon Radio Network with, uh, Jerry Allen and Mike Jorgensen. The Rose Bowl yesterday, which was won by one by Oregon 28-27. Before we get to uh, Nate Bauer from Blue Wood Illustrated, I'm amazed at at what we're seeing right now in terms of how things are covered. A major determining factor in almost every game I do, football, basketball, are turnovers. You're turning the ball over if... 17, 18 times at a basketball game, you're headed for a loss. Mm-hmm. You are minus giveaway, takeaway in a game, you lose. This year, I heard, I heard, well, gee, you know, they dominated the game, but they didn't win. Well, I don't care if Wisconsin dominated the game statistically. That doesn't mean anything. They lost. You want to know why they lost? They turned the ball over four times. Sorry, but you're not going to win games turning it over four times. Penn State beat Memphis. Again, Penn State won giveaway, takeaway. And by the way, one quick note for the national media. Final score, Penn State 28, Michigan 21. All right, so for whatever reason, is Michigan's record 9.5 and 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 3.5? I don't quite get it. Okay? Here's one for you. Did not score more points. Didn't win. In fact, never had the ball with a chance to win. Right. Absolutely. Okay, we're done. I mean, Jack and I actually spent two minutes on the pregame show Saturday talking about this. How it's become the coverage of that game postmortem has been absurd. And that's why I was talking about Michigan earlier. Nebraska, I'm going to get more into this the last half hour. Scott Frost has said nothing. Zero. Right, so this has nothing to do with Scott Frost. He gets it. Nebraska is a five-year process to get back to prominence. Remember, in the off-season, this past off-season, Nebraska, 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 they could win the division. I'm sitting here saying, I said in the show, I said, I don't get what they're seeing. I don't get it. 
I said, this program's a, got a long way to go. Well, yeah. But no, oh yeah, we say that. No, 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 no. People are saying that now. In the off season last summer, oh Nebraska, they're they're the team to watch. I'm thinking, watch what? They're very good. Watch them flounder. <laughs> well, it's nothing to do with watching the flounder because I think Scott Frost is the right choice, and I think he gets it's a five year process. Same thing with like, for example, to appoint Notre Dame. And to a point, Michigan, you cannot will a program back to being elite. Yeah, it takes more. Than, it takes more than willing them to get there. Well, and it's not like the NFL or any pro league where you can just sign somebody and it's going to be all right. Right. You know, it doesn't work right. that way. Right. College is different. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's not like you can make that big signing that swings the entire division, but like Dylan Betances. All right. So yeah, exactly. Um, hey, watch your out. Guy. So, so with, I, I'm going to talk more about that in the last half hour. With that, we bring in Nate Bauer, Blue White Illustrated. Nate, Happy New Year. Welcome. K.J. Hamler and Yitor Grosmatos going, but Tariq Castro-Field says he's going to stay. Um, You know, it's interesting. I think that there are more guys returning than I anticipated. I think that if you um, kind of parse James Franklin's comments on signing day that maybe there are more guys returning than they anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, certainly, you know, certainly we knew that there would be some, some guys with some options. Uh, you know, in the past, I think that the Penn State has had maybe some borderline uh, third, fourth, fifth round kind of guys that have uh, opted to forego, you know, the, the, the final years of, of their eligibility, um, and it's not happening this year. And and the the theme, the commonality that you see with a lot of these guys who who have chosen to return is you know this quote unquote unfinished business. Um, it's it's I don't know that they're speaking it quite into existence yet. Uh, some some guys are more. Uh, blunt about it than others, but mm-hmm. this is a team that's gearing up for a playoff run. Uh, they believe it. They are determined to make it happen, um, and they think collectively that they have the pieces in place um, to get there. You know, and so uh, and so you know, like let's let's not get carried out of uh, you know away and say that uh, Tariq was a first rounder who you know uh, gave that up so that he could you know pursue a national championship um but certainly these were guys uh Mike Mennett right um mm-hmm. the, these were some players who had options um you, you know they weren't necessarily day one or day two guys um but certainly you know you, you could see them getting drafted on day 3 um you know who who have chosen to put that off for a year so it's uh it's it's interesting. Uh, there a lot of pieces are lining up now. Obviously, Hamler not being part of that equation, and Etor, uh, those are game records, right? Those are <laughs> those those are the guys that that differentiate you um, in close games. And so, to not have them, Penn State has a pretty tall task ahead of it uh, to to find people with their respective positions who are going to have the same type of impact, but, um, you know, certainly you, you, you got to look at the collective and the whole, 
and and see a lot of uh, a lot of talent and veteran talent uh, returning for next year. And considering that this was the open, actually this was the opening question I had to James in the pregame show. I said, you know, outside noise is a part of the game of college football. Outside noise in the summer told everyone with five guys going early to the NFL a year ago, Trace McSorley finishing his career, that you were, that Penn State football was headed toward a transition year. Yep. What, what does it tell everybody that about the stability of the program, the depth of the program, and the player development of the program that a transition year was 11-2? and two? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's um, it's it's interesting because you you never want to take away from a Trace McSorley, uh, a Miles Sanders, um, and Miles is probably a little bit different. But um, you know Ryan Bates, Connor McGovern, right? Uh, these are kind of names who. Um, you know, uh, Sharif Miller, like Penn State, mm-hmm. Penn State's ascent to this level were built on, in a lot of ways, those names, performances. Right. But the catch here is that for all that Penn State has lost over the last year uh, and, and may lose this year, uh, people, it's a, it's a game of in, especially in college athletics, you're always looking at what you're losing and not at what you're getting with another year of development. You just, you know, it it, it never it never clicks that, uh, you know, yes, you, that's the cycle. That's what happens is is players grow up, they go, they proceed through their eligibility, and then they exhaust it or they, uh, you know, pursue the next level. But the reality is. Is that Trace McSorley should be? I don't want this to sound as bad as I think it's going to sound. Trace McSorley should be the bottom of of Penn State's aspirations of uh, the the baseline talent that you want at quarterback moving forward, right? He he should be. You, you should you should want to have at least a Trace McSorley uh, moving forward every year. Because he was great, and he, he fulfilled his role uh, perfectly, and he brought a lot of intangibles that you know you can only hope to continue to get out of your next players. But in terms of talent and uh, ability and all of those measurables, you know you want to you want to get at least a Trace McSorley moving forward every year, right. and and the same carries through throughout the lineup and so you know what's happened is Penn State has those guys and more coming down the pipeline effectively um, you know and so yes they they have gotten to a point as a program where when you talk about uh, this this year being a step back um, I'm not sure that it. I'm not sure that I saw the Big Ten play out the way that necessarily we all thought it would. Right. Uh, but but Penn State, Penn State's performance in terms of learning how to win and being a team that knows how to win, no doubt they're a year ahead of schedule, and they've got right. more and more talent that's coming up uh, from those second and third string guys who maybe needed a year to marinate. 
um, you know, to, to, to become what uh, what everybody expects them to be next year. Kirk Chirac obviously did a, a fabulous job, especially in Minnesota. He takes over as the offensive coordinator, plus there will be a new offensive line coach with Matt Linegrover not being renewed. Your thoughts on the staff? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm interested to see if that's it. I mean, I'm interested to see if um, if, if anybody else, um, y- you know, might might move on from the staff uh, before this is all said and done. Certainly, um, you know, the way that James likes to handle things, uh, I think that he prefers to have the next landing spot in place before anybody anybody leaves. If there is, um, you know, that type of a dis- dismissal, you know, I don't want to I don't want to call it firing. Um, but, but certainly, you know, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how that, um, plays out. But yeah, Kirk, I mean, uh, you know, certainly you saw the way that Minnesota, um, maximized its talent this past season. And if Penn State has those pieces and more, um, you know, moving forward, you would think that, he would be just as effective, if not more effective, um, utilizing those pieces. The big, the big caveat to that is, you know, does Penn State have receivers who can match what Minnesota brought to the table? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, <laughs> it's it's what I what I see happen over and over again is people kind of look at the name Minnesota and maybe on the whole as a program they don't have the same talent level that Penn State does um, but those skill position players are every bit as good as what Penn State has well, if not better I right? think Gus, I mean, Gus Malzahn would agree with that today yeah yeah no no, no, no doubt about it uh, I mean he saw for himself uh, those guys make plays those those guys um, you know they're they are highly effective, yep. and I don't I haven't not to say that Penn State doesn't have that waiting in the wings, but but we haven't seen it yet. Uh, we haven't seen it yet outside of Hamler and Fryermuth, and obviously once he loses Hamler, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's sure. a blank slate at receiver uh, for Penn State moving forward. One of the really cool things about all this is that now the transition is made to basketball. And in the transition now to basketball being a focal point, uh, because you cover that, you don't cover wrestling and and ice hockey, others do. Yeah. Now you're covering a team that's ranked 21. They got number 23 Iowa coming up at the Palestra on Saturday. Yeah. What has allowed this team to put itself in the position they are in, where right now they're 15 in the net, making the turn into 2020? Uh. You know, they won the games that were toss-ups before the start of the season. I mean, it's look, uh, and I think that you would agree with this that they're not home, right? Oh like, no, they, they, no. This is a, this is a marathon. This is a journey. But at least yeah. at least they start this next part of the journey in a position instead of trying to fight back. Absolutely, and that and that has you're, you're, the way that you just phrased that is exactly right. They are constantly behind the eight ball through the non-conference and and you know as we've seen over the last couple of years the the two game set of big 10 games um you know that's just been a consistent theme is that they they've got to climb back uh well this year they don't have to do that 
uh, you know, they just, frankly, they just got to go even, right? I mean, you got to win half your games yep. from here on out. Yep. Uh, if, if you do that, you, you're going to the tournament. I mean, it's a, it's, that part is clear. But, you know, certainly they want more than that. And this mm-hmm. team is capable of doing more than that. And the reality, especially in the Big Ten and the way that they scheduled this year, everybody can beat everybody. Yes, uh, you, you know that the top two teams, right? So Ohio State, Michigan State, they're they're really good, mm-hmm. and and maybe you're not going to compete with them uh, at the level that you want. But this and this works in both ways. From three to ten or eleven, you're going to get a heck of a game every single night, and so you better you better you know. You gotta win those games. You gotta, you gotta win half of them. And then for the, for the bottom, for 11 to 14, you have to win those games. Mm-hmm. All men away. You have to win, uh, yeah. th- those games. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be very interesting to see, um, you know, how they kind of proceed from here because, um, you know, these next few games really offer, uh, you know, an excellent opportunity for them to get off to an even better start than they've already gotten off to. Um, but but none of them are givens, right? I mean, <laughs> no, no, there are no gimmies in the in this part. The Big Ten is is yep. deep. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. At Rutgers is is real. Oh, uh, they're a good team. Uh, with Wisconsin at home, you know, you're you're just dealing with, with you know, and and certainly even Iowa, who who has had its share of injury setbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, look. They're going to compete. They're, you know, Franny is not is not uh, packing up and, and taking no. the ball. No, right? Garza, so, Wieskamp. I mean, they got some yeah. players. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's one final question. And this you know, this is not a smart aleck question. I just want you to preface it. Uh, it's a serious question for you. What was it like for you to sit home watch? A team that you cover in person all the time, and have to watch it on TV as opposed to not being there. Uh, and, I mean, and I mean that in all seriousness. That was not meant to be a smart out question in any way. So, so not not at all. And well, here's the thing: uh, like Willis Reed. <laughs> oh no! Here it goes out of the locker room. Score your four I, points and leave. I was there. Steve, I, I, um, it was a whole to do, but, uh, my flight on Thursday to get down there, uh, to Dallas was, I canceled it. I, I was like, no way, right? I went to a doctor, the doctor, and all of the horror stories that I had heard, effectively, the doctor just said, uh, you're no more contagious than somebody with a cold. If you need to be there, you should go. So I, and my symptoms were not so bad that I felt like I couldn't go. And so, uh, I actually ended up being there for the game on Saturday. I got there late Friday night and, uh, I made it happen because to your question, I, I couldn't imagine that. I could, I couldn't, wow. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't not, I couldn't not be there. I, you know, I mean, it, it was, um, this is this is the the profession that I've chosen, and you know, um, it just it it felt um, I it felt like I needed to be there, and so uh, I I uh, got myself together and put some gloves on so that people didn't think I was 
a complete freak. <laughs> and, oh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I pushed through it, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's one of those things where you, you don't want to, um, impact anybody else. And so the whole goal is to just, uh, exclude yourself as much as possible, uh, so that other people aren't exposed mm-hmm. to it. And so and you're going to Philadelphia Saturday. I will be there on Saturday. I, it's it's over though, Steve. You can shake my hand. I promise. It's a, it's totally fine. Just for the moment, I might just wave. Okay, and that's fine. <laughs> I mean, better better to be safe than sorry. And <laughs> a life, you got a career, man. All right, <laughs> <laughs> Nate. Happy New Year. I hope I hope, you, I hope you are feeling a lot better. So you too. Thank you. I I very much appreciate that. It was weird, but I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird. We're glad yeah. it's over. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, uh, certain golf courses have simulators to work on your game. Uh, yeah, you know, well, it's okay to put the clubs away for a couple of months. I'll be back March. It's gonna be here before you know it. I plan on being busy in March. All right, so <laughs> excellent point. Excellent point. It'll be it'll be a different. Uh, this this could be a, a very different spring for us. Yes, it could so. be. Nate, thanks so much. Happy New Year. All right. Thanks a lot. Nate Bauer, Blue White Illustrated. Final half hour coming up. Looking forward to that. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Care Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Cincinnati and Boston College are still delayed, I believe. (laughs) Yeah. Lightning delay in Birmingham is the second consecutive year Boston College has had to endure a lightning delay in a bowl game. That's that's shocking to me. It's just shocking. I, I it, 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 no pun intended, none. But that's like, I don't know, man. Like talk about, talk about being born under a bad sign. It's almost like being a Jets fan. Uh. It's it's unreal. I mean, same team two years in a row. That is are crazy. You, are you kidding me? But they're waiting. Of course. 
Because you know yeah. Boston College is begging at this point. Please let us get one in. We'd like to at least play a game. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the bowl swag was nice, but you know, I'd like to play it. Now, how bad do you feel if you're Boston College if you get absolutely eviscerated in this game, like forty-two nothing? Well, right now they just want to play. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This is waiting. Uh, wow. Um, so, uh, yesterday, of course, Wisconsin lost because they turned the ball over four times. Uh, again, I've never seen a year. The coverage of how of the games that we watch has become really odd in some ways. Where we spend so much time talking about the game on the 13th of the month, we don't concentrate on the game of the first of the month. Uh, what do you guys think about how Clemson and LSU are going to play? Okay, I don't care. I actually tuned into this game. Huh? I actually wanted to watch this game. I, I want to start out with, uh, you know, for example, how Michigan's lost to Penn State. Well, Michigan, well, look how they came back. Came back what? They lost. Okay, next. Again, looked to win a big game on the road. Couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And that has been the Michigan M.O. here for a while. Their inability to win significant games. Well, I think maybe the, the, the whole reason that type of thing happens is to try and build a story and some drama where there isn't any. It's almost like they were, like I remember leading up to the Michigan-Ohio State game. And I think we all knew that Ohio State was going to pound Michigan. Like, I, I had no doubt. I had no doubt that Ohio State was going to blow Michigan out when it was all said and done and that it would be interesting for a few minutes and then they would blow them out. But at the end of the day, leading up to it, the coverage was, well, Michigan, ever since the second half against Penn State, they've been tremendous. They beat the crap out of uh, out of Notre Dame. Okay, that was at home. But, like, that's the and, thing. And I think that, that's the coverage. That was a good win. That was a good win but I think over... That's the, but I think that's the right. coverage answer. They're trying to build drama where there isn't any. Right, and you just can't do that. That's disingenuous. Yes, I agree. All right, and I'm sick of disingenuous for the sake of hype. Just tell me what's going on. Everybody's smart enough. I mean, everybody's smart enough. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think I think maybe you're giving people in general too much credit. Like, well, being, I think the people that really follow it are smart enough. Of course, enough. the mean, people they, really they, follow it. Yes, agree. Yes. I mean, okay, but it's like Jack and I were talking about before the game. Like the two of us are just mystified. Hey, Penn State, for the most part, had a two-score lead in that game. Mm -hmm. When you have a two-score lead in that game, guess what? The other team doesn't have the ball with a chance to take the lead. Right, right. Voila. Okay. That's how you win and how the other guy loses. Michigan lost. And that's not atypical of what's happened. And it's also uh, what's interesting about yesterday with Michigan-Alabama Felt going in Alabama, despite the the fact they had to go with their backup quarterback, and he's got an interesting decision to make. Mac Jones, I believe, either has his degree or is about to get his degree. If he wants to be a grad transfer, he can play someplace else. Hmm. 
if Tua, it depends. Because Tua's injury is such, I don't know if he can play this upcoming season or not. And they are bringing in another hotshot recruit. Okay. To play quarterback. Okay. But Jones has played well enough. He, played, he had a great game yesterday. Right, he played very... 16 he played for 27, ver- uh, 16 for 25, 327, mm-hmm. three touchdowns. That's a great game. Yep, he played really, really well. Now, is he a, is he a great next-level quarterback? Probably no. not. Probably not. No. Uh, but does he have great next-level receivers? Oh, my goodness, they're all over the place on mm-hmm. that team. Absolutely. Very impressive. But... What's ha- and what happened with Michigan was what happened with Memphis against Penn State. What was Memphis's problem? Well, the fact that Penn State's better has more talent across the board, but Memphis kept settling for field goals. Uh, every once in a while, you'll run into a game like Penn State's Citrus Bowl game with LSU in 2009, where eh, the field wasn't in great shape, it was raining a bit. Penn State kicked four field goals, won the game 1917. You're going to, you can win games that are relatively low to medium scoring with multiple field goals. But once the game gets to the point where one team's over 25, you're not going to win the game kicking six field goals. Right? And that's what happened yesterday in the first half. Michigan, now let's, you know, got a touchdown and settled, and then settled for a field goal. Then the other one at the end, the 57 yarder by Quinn Nordine was very impressive. Okay, that you know, at the end of the half, whatever point you get, you get. But that's it. They, Michigan scored one touchdown yesterday, one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like in the the Cotton Bowl. You know, Memphis only scored three touchdowns. Penn State scored seven. Seven touchdowns. You're going to win games with seven touchdowns. And when you take into consideration that Michigan put themselves. You know, they could have won if they would have turned one of those field goals into a touchdown. It was 16-14 at the half. Right. So it was like, and then Alabama just stepped on their neck in the second half. But but if they would have turned one of those into a touchdown, right. it could have been at least Right. But something. see, again, you've got to be good enough to finish. See, that's my point. You've got to be good enough to finish. And uh, now getting something out of a drive is great. But when you get into a high-stakes game like that, you need more than just that. You need touchdowns. Michigan is an interesting program. And I think Notre Dame is in the same boat. Two really, really, really good programs. That can be dangerous on any any given Saturday can be dangerous. Okay? So really, really good can be dangerous on any given Saturday. But neither one of them at the moment is a great program. I feel like what Brian Kelly has done at Notre Dame is the same thing that Jim Harbaugh has done at Michigan. They have stabilized, each has stabilized their respective programs. They've stabilized them. And they deserve a lot of credit for stabilizing the situations. But they have not been able to get that leap into the great level where they're consistently great. Right now, they're both consistently really, really good. And do you it's, think that's a recruiting issue? Do you think that's a coaching issue? Like, at what point? Like, what, what is missing? Okay, for Notre Dame, what's missing is that the perception of my generation of what Notre Dame is and what the reality of Notre Dame is now are two different things. Right. right. 
Notre Dame back when I was growing up was a whoa, it's Notre Dame, it's the Fighting Irish, it's it's Heisman Trophy winners, it's Era Parsegan, it's national championships, it's four horsemen, you know, whatever. Okay. That doesn't cut bait with players now. Well, because they, they don't, don't even like, know uh, that anymore. Exactly. They don't you, know that. You say Lou Holtz to a kid today and they're like, uh what? He was on TV with Mark May, right? Okay. <laughs> Barely. Uh, like, they probably don't even remember that. It's been a while. Right. right. Uh, now, Brian Kelly has stabilized that, and they did get to the playoff last year, but they were non-competitive against Clemson. And they were in the a national board, championship right? game not too long ago either, and they got their lunch they were handed to them. And, and they were non-competitive in that. Yeah, Alabama and, definitely and, embarrassed and, them. <laughs> and each time it was really metrics that got them there. Not so much maybe schedule, but metrics. Sure, sure. Okay? But they got there. So let's let's give credit where credit. That's part of Brian Kelly. When you're a really, really good program, you can have a year like that. Okay? But you're going to mostly have good years. You know, a lot of nine-win seasons. Maybe in a K. I think, I think let's say Notre Dame. They've had back-to-back 11s, I think. Uh, yeah, they won 12 last year, 11 right. this year, 10 the year before. Right. right. So it's a good run. But that's part of being a really, really good program. Now, Michigan, Harbaugh has done a great job of stabilizing Michigan. Done a great job. He's recruited well. But I'll tell you the area where he has not recruited well. And this has been a crusher for him. And I think it's been the same problem for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. They haven't recruited a major league quarterback. And Jake Rudock, I think, is the best quarterback that Jim Harbaugh has had. Well, I mean, this Shea Shea Patterson was highly touted all year. Every game I watched, it was like, and this Shea Patterson, and then then I'm underwhelmed every time. I mean, Jake Rudock, to me, is the best quarterback Michigan's had since Harbaugh's been there. And he was a grad transfer from Iowa the first year. All right, and Rudock has done enough to keep himself on rosters and practice squads and so forth in the NFL. And I thought he essentially saved the first season for uh, for Michigan the way he played. But they haven't they haven't recruited or developed a pro- quarterback on their own at Michigan. And that and he's supposed to have been quote the quarterback whisperer. Brian Kelly runs through quarterbacks and is very critical of quarterbacks to the point where I'm not so sure they can function. You've got, you know, it's interesting when you look at the history of the programs. Michigan has won more games than anybody. They've won 900. 900, whatever the number is, 950, 60, whatever it is. It's a lot. A lot. Penn State will join the 900-win club in September of this year. They have 898 right now. And they'll be the eighth program to ever do it. And probably, as the season goes, has an opportunity and things go right to pass Nebraska for seventh all-time. It wins. But Nebraska, Notre Dame, and Michigan are perfect examples of, in the hype of college football, you cannot will programs back to absolute prominence. And I'm talking about the media. You can't do it. People aren't buying it. They can see it for themselves. Michigan is a really, really good program, but they are not a great program. In the last 15 years, you know what the single most important game of the Big Ten has been 
most times in the Big Ten the last 15 years? Hasn't been Ohio State, Michigan. It's been Penn State, Ohio State. That's been the most important game in the Big Ten for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part in the Big Ten, that's been the biggest game in the conference every year. Yeah, for at least the past, like, two or three years for sure. I'm going back to 2005. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, Penn State beat Ohio State in 2005. Went to the, you know, won the Big Ten, went to the Orange Bowl. Penn State beat Ohio State in 2008 at Ohio State, went to the Rose Bowl. Penn State beat them in 2011. Penn State then, of course, you know, they come out of sanctions. And guess what? Even in sanctions, Ohio State needed double overtime and 14 to win. Double overtime. Then in 16, Penn State won. Then in 17, Ohio State rallied and won by one. Mm-hmm. And then in 18, Ohio State rallied and won by one. And this year, this year, Ohio State was credit played really well and won. But it's been the most important game in the Big Ten for not all, but most of the last 15 years. Not Ohio State, Michigan. And that's the part that is, um, That's the part. It, it's hard for the Big Ten to let go of it because look, and and I don't blame them for I, I don't blame them for promoting it at all. But I will point this out: Ohio State, Michigan, when TV was really, really doing a great job with a game a week of promoting the college game. That Ohio State-Michigan game at the end of the year became a nationally televised game you had to see. Especially when Bo Schembechler took over at Michigan. Ohio State's the defending national champion. Ohio State's ranked number one. And Michigan upset them. That set the tone for the 10-year war. Where now ABC felt, hey, we've got to show this game every year. Look at the intensity of this game. And it was a very intense game. Right. So that did so much to enhance. Remember, this is 1969, 50 years ago. This did a lot to enhance the national profile of Big Ten football. You got to watch Ohio State, Michigan. Absolutely. I watched it all the time. But then there's the other part. It's the part that nobody in the Big Ten ever wants to talk about with the 10 year war. There was an additional game after that, which then hurt the profile of the Big Ten, and that was the Rose Bowl. The winner of that game went to the Rose Bowl. Well, guess what the record was for Michigan and Ohio State during the 10-year war in the Rose Bowl? Two and eight. Yikes. Yikes. That's the part where, like, Nobody's ever talked about that. Yeah, and Michigan's looking. Michigan's history, which is illustrious, it's illustrious. It really, you know. But in the history of Michigan football, you know how many eleven win seasons they have? Eight total. Eight. That includes four in the nineteen hundreds. Eight. Penn State's had six since two thousand five. Yeah, they have. Uh, Michigan has one, two. Yeah, only two since 2000, and then, yeah, not a lot. Not a lot of 11-win seasons. 
Penn State had six. Because it's twelve and zero, which was back five. in '97. Yeah, they won the. They shared a national championship that year, right? Penn State has just just since five, won eleven games or better in five, eight, nine, sixteen, seventeen, nineteen. And they play virtually the same schedule. Yeah, they've got six. Okay, Joe Paterno had fifteen. 11 win seasons. Yep. 15. James has three. That's 18 since 1966. Michigan has four. You know, there's just some some things just, just uh, you, you know, get more publicity. Again, again, Michigan is really, really good. Please don't get me wrong about this. Michigan's really, really good. Notre Dame's really, really good. But are they in that category of being a top 10 team? Right now, Ohio State is in that elite category. Let's give them credit. Penn State is in the great category. What James has done the last four years, the New Year's Six Bowls, they've won two of them. Michigan doesn't have any. It does, you know, and again, the head-to-head thing, the matchup thing, yeah, they've split the last four, and it's been crazy to see it because I've obviously I've watched it firsthand. But Penn State's the program right now that's playing like, playing like and makes you feel like as the future goes, going to be the great program. Is Penn it, State's great. Penn State's great now, and I think they're going to get even better. I mean, is it possible that like uh, a lot of the reason why? Uh, Michigan would get all this hoopla and coverage or Notre Dame is that it's still a generational thing and when a younger generation finally takes over uh, you know like the the publicity side of it the ESPN and all of that like people are still like whenever Notre Dame even gets a blip of being good it's like everybody loses their mind and they want to immediately put them in a conversation of a championship contender. Sure, sure. But like, and and you can watch them on the field and you know, like they they can't compete with these teams. I agree with you. But you know what's interesting? Penn State went head-to-head with Notre Dame on Saturday on TV. Penn State played in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis. Notre Dame, exact same start time played in the Camping World Bowl against Iowa State. TV ratings came out. Notre Dame drew 4.17 million viewers. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Penn State drew 6.22 million. What networks were they on? <laughs> Notre Dame was on ABC. Wow. wow. Yeah. Penn, Penn State, State was, was on ESPN, ESPN right? was on cable. Yeah. Yeah. And on cable, Penn State outdrew over over the air. Two out of three people were watching Penn State. I mean, I think there might be something to the fact that PS uh, that Penn State was playing against Memphis, whereas Notre Dame what? was playing Iowa State. Like Iowa State's Iowa State's a better program than Memphis. Iowa State wasn't even ranked this year. It doesn't matter in terms of name recognition. Iowa State. Is a name is a bigger name. I don't know if it was Iowa, then I would be a little more impressed. But yeah, but I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a Big Twelve team against an American team. Right, right. No, right? I, I understand it, what you're saying. Essentially, it's Penn State against Notre Dame. It was Penn State against Notre Dame. That's what it came down to. Yeah. Two out of three people chose to watch Penn State. Yeah, yeah. It tells you everything. 
Sort of. That tells you everything. I guess it does. <laughs> I, I just think the media gets so excited whenever a Michigan, especially when you have a coach like Harbaugh or a Notre Dame or someone like that becomes Look, prominent. Michigan draws TV ratings, no question. So they're going to hype it up more. They feel Notre Dame still does. But Notre Dame football and NBC do, does well but not great. Notre Dame football and NBC gets beaten every single week. Every week. Notre Dame football and NBC is beaten. NBC did not win a single weekend of college football in a time slot this year. That's a forever contract. They're never getting out of that. No, 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 no. I know they aren't. But, and that's good for NBC and it's good for Notre Dame. It's, I mean, it's good for both. Hey, NBC needs a college football contract. That's it. But in terms of the ability to win the time slot, Notre Dame never wins the time slot when they're on NBC. You think Notre Dame is still paying 1950s prices for that? Uh, no, they're making they're making twenty twenty money. All right, we will be back tomorrow here on News Radio ten seventy WKOK.